because I was born in a family where we expected a boy. When you start your life with so little opportunities, there is one big thing that you get from it, and that is uh, really learn to take each opportunity that comes along your way. So I took risks a couple of times in my career, so how to make the, the good choice and also not to be afraid because when you make a choice, you can be wrong as well, Annie, isn't it? And yeah. then you have to adapt. I took risks that I actually made the biggest jump. Lots of women we know uh, have some imposter syndrome. So they really are sometimes too harsh from themselves. And I was that as well. So basically what I did to really be able to, to be sure and confident is I always studied a lot. If you lack confidence, what I really had in, in the beginning, you have to prepare and be able to prepare and to make yourself ready for the job. Don't be afraid to change. Gender equality is, is something I really believe in. It's, it's really saying from my early childhood, it shouldn't make a difference. Whether you are a boy or a girl, you should have equal chances and be treated equally. Try to make change at the highest possible level and try to have impact at the highest possible level. If you are too much stuck to the job and the responsibility and this is who you are, actually it's a very big risk. You should be something and you should be somebody in life because you are a person and not because the title you have. Every day is another day. And uh, I live every day as if it was my first and my last. Hi, everyone. I'm Annie Filipova and this is Change is Possible podcast. I'm so excited because Hedvig Nguyen's, the CEO of the International Banking Federation, is going to be our guest today. Hedvig has an impressive banking career. She spent 37 years in the banking industry at sea um, level and board positions in finance, strategy, digital transformation, compliance, and many more. But apart from her professional achievements, Hedwig has been a lifelong advocate for gender diversity. She is the chair of the European Women on Boards, which is a European organization which advocates gender diversity at board and C-suite positions. And on top of that, earlier this year, Hedvig was invited to join the G7 Gender Equality Advisory Council. So this is the type of inspirational and accomplished business leader we're going to talk to today. But before we go into the episode, can I ask you please to subscribe to this channel so you never miss an episode and also give us the opportunity to make this channel even better for you. Thank you and see you in a minute. Hi Edwish, I'm so happy that uh, you are at my podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much Annie for uh, having me. Great. So let's start with the questions. So the first question is, who is Hedwig Nguyen? What was your bringing? What were your dreams when you were a child and a young adult? Tell us about it. 
Well, I was born nearly 60 years ago in a, in a very beautiful university town, Louvain. But my early childhood was actually a difficult one because I was born in a family where we expected a boy. And so being a girl was awful. They didn't even have a name. And uh, at, uh, at finally, they ended up with seven girls. So I was, I was grown up uh, in a difficult situation, little expectations. But the good thing is I was able to study. And I did that very well. And so my early dreams was, were rather, how can I make my own life? When can I be independent? So I very much longed uh, for the day that I could uh, find a new home and build a new home. And that is how life uh, happened to me. Unusual beginning of a story that I hear on this podcast, but it's very interesting. So how you said that you studied and then how did you imagine your career what what did you want it to be i think that the first uh, big question the first big decision i made is what to study and i studied a uh, law that was uh, my my choice my personal choice i could do it and this was something where i was really convinced that by studying law i could work on justice and injustice and so um I thought this is a marvelous uh, study where you can then choose whatever you want to do. And that proved to be really very true. And uh, I started in a bank thanks to my uh, diploma, but then I couldn't stop Annie because I wanted to do law and then economics and then finance and management. So I studied a long, long uh, time in my career till a certain point that my husband said, now it's enough. Now we have to take some time for us and the family. I see. So you were uh, also in uh, risk and uh, and finance and you had quite a, a number of risk positions. Was that also the plan or this happened by, by chance? Life took you in that direction? Well, I think one of the things I can share with the audience is when you start your life with so little opportunities, there is one big thing that you get from it and that is uh, really learn to take each opportunity that comes along your way. And that's actually what I did. I started as a lawyer in HR and then I studied economics. And as I studied economics, I could switch to the heart of the bank, which was credit and risk. And then I applied for a new job and I got it and I learned again. And so, yes, it happened by chance, but also by just taking every opportunity. And so whenever I, I said I want to apply for risk because now I have the diploma, I received the chance and I, I took it. That's a great lesson and I completely subscribe to it. When you have an opportunity, you just take it and um, learn, have more experience. And then when the next opportunity comes, you're that much more prepared, right? So you did a lot of, you had a very long career and you had a lot of career moves. Um, so how did you plan, how did you plan um, a career move? Do you have do you have some kind of a system that you apply every time you you uh, do a change? No, I wouldn't say that planning is the right uh, term. So I changed a couple of times. So the first time when I changed from a regional bank to an international bank, and that was because a headhunter offered me a job. And uh, then my, my husband was very keen that you should not leave unless there is really a very nice opportunity at the other side. So. Yes, planning, I, I very much discussed, negotiated both with myself, with my husband, my family. And so 
Planning is not the right term. I think uh, I had not that family or that background enabling me to plan so much in advance, but uh, I, I took the chances and I assessed based on some facts and figures that I learned to see what is okay, how to take risks, because I took risks a couple of times in my career. So how to make the, the good choice and also not to be afraid, because when you make a choice, you can be wrong as well, Annie, isn't it? And yeah. then you have to adapt. Exactly. So uh, you said that you had a couple of risks that you took. Um, can we talk about these? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I, I, at some point I changed, I changed location. Uh, so moving from uh, Brussels to Paris, for example, uh, that was a moment where the kids were, were bigger. Uh, but so you had to think, is that a good move? Uh, change uh, locations, change uh, home, change uh, employer. Uh, another time, I just moved from the private sector to the non-private uh, sector. So uh, uh, working in university with totally different rules. So yes, I, I um, and of course in my recent job as well. So I would say, yes, it is in the moments that I took risks that I actually made the biggest jump. Uh, but you have to be prepared to do this. And so having a good background, also good balance in life and some, well, some uh, reserves in a on a personal level is really important. And now you are the CEO of the International Banking Federation. So what does it take to get to this position? That's a very good question. And actually, I can say that whatever you may hear from others, being a woman and having had the possibility to really combine my career with a personal life and with personal commitments was a big, big asset in the, in the choice. Because uh, as the CEO of the International Banking Federation, you represent the banking industry worldwide. And it's really a stakeholders uh, company. So it means that you need to have a good network and a good relationship with all kinds of regions, banks, countries. So you have geopolitical risks, you have the banking industry, you have society. And I was actually the candidate that had the best network and the best reputation, be it in Japan or Canada or US, everyone had heard from me and had had good uh, remarks or feedback. So I also had another good capacity, I think, that's enabling uh, the people around the table to find consensus to find consensus amidst very complicated choices. So I think, well, it's basically all the set of those capacities, also persistency that made that apparently I was the best candidate. Great. Um, and um, just generally, what are the qualities and the knowledge and experience that uh, help people to get to the to the senior position to the managing the, to director then the managing director ceo what what are these qualities in your opinion yes and it's a very important question because lots of women we know uh, have some imposter syndrome so they really are sometimes too harsh from themselves and i was that as well so basically what i did to really be able to to be sure and confident is i always studied a lot uh, you heard it already i prepared very well so i think um, if you lack confidence what i really had in in the beginning you have to prepare and be able to prepare and to make yourself ready for the job has really helped me. And then it's, of course, um, uh, just try it out. 
So if you think, okay, now I've, do, I've done it, you, you apply for a job, you apply for a position, and if they take you, it's actually a leap of faith, and it's also a leap of yeah. faith of them. And then just try it out, don't be afraid. And Or if you are afraid and you feel the fear, it's okay, it has helped me a lot, but it shouldn't stop you from taking the next position. Life and universe and work has changed so much since, I mean, me and you started work many years ago. Um, what, would you, what would you advise these young people who are starting their career now? What should they think about and should prepare for? Yes, I think that a lot of has changed. That the digital world is there. We've learned a lot with COVID. So I would say to young, talented people, try to see different environments. So, of course, I was born in the West, but try to see other other countries, other environments. Don't be afraid to change. It's much more common now to change from one place to the other. Uh, and I wouldn't plan too much, actually, Annie. So why why would you plan in advance so uh, be open for opportunities and let others help you as well i think this is something i i didn't always do uh, because i thought i had to do it all, all on myself but uh, find friends listen to friends extend your relationships this is very important so i would say don't hesitate to change if it's not for you, if you if you are feeling unhappy at a place, just change. If you can't change it, uh, the environment, you should change and move to something that uses your qualities. I see that that's a great advice. And what about uh, people in the mid of their career? Um, they have climbed to, to a level in their career, but back again because of all the changes, they feel stuck. What is your advice to them? What should they do? It happened to me a couple of times. And what I learned, Annie, is that when you feel stuck, it can feel as negative energy, as something that blocks you. But actually, there is something be beyond that. There is something below. So what I used when I was stuck or feeling unhappy is saying, what does it learn about myself? Because it's not just the world that is doing something to you. It also can say something about yourself. What can you learn? And use it as energy. And so, uh, actually, I, in a, a couple of times, Annie, when, when I was uh, angry or frustrated in my job, that energy, to use it then to see, okay, I think I can do more. Okay, if you think this, what would you like to do? And that actually also helped me to change a couple of times because staying in a situation can also uh, feel like I stay because I don't dare to change. So, it's there is always, there are always two sides, uh, two sides on the on a coin. So let's talk about um, the European Women on Board. You are chair of the organization, and now I understand about your background, and now now I can piece, I can connect the dots why you're so so passionate about this. But tell us a little bit more about um, why you're so much involved in in the initiatives related to, to equality and what is actually, let's start with this, what does uh, gender equality means to you? Gender equality is, is something I really uh, believe in. It's, it's really saying from my early childhood, 
it shouldn't make a difference. Whether you are a boy or a girl, you should have equal chances and be treated equally. So gender equality is very, very important uh, to my heart. Of course, there are many injustices in the world, but this is something uh, I, uh, I chose to, to really spend time. And I did it very early in my career. And so with European Women on Board, it, this is actually something that unfolded as also in my other job, I now represent um, the banking industry at international level. It gave me, of course, a span of control and a span of experience that I could use at another uh, level. And this is uh, why I thought that I might play a role in the board first of European Women on Boards and now uh, as chair, because I think if you have a passion, a commitment, you should for me, uh, personally, try to make change at the highest possible level and try to have impact at the highest possible level. And that's an advice I give to everyone. Uh, people asking advice, people asking what should I do next, aim for the highest. Your talent is so precious, your time is precious. So if you want to make a difference in life, think about it. How could I really stretch myself? Where could I play and make the biggest difference in life? Let's talk about the quotas. You know, people think negatively about the quotas because they think uh, quotas um, generally kill meritocracy. What would you say to these people? It's, it's a very important question, Annie, because I get it a lot and many people uh, come to me. And it's also ingrained in our personal beliefs. Because actually what we are saying, uh, I, I don't speak about quotum, I speak about the target. And that's also what the European Parliament said in her directive. So we should have 40%, that's the target, uh, women at the highest level in board positions. But actually it's not about nominating women for the sake of women. It is about nominating the best candidate. So in the directive, what is important is that Companies will have to be much more transparent and professional, saying which profile they are looking for, which skills, why they are nominating a candidate. And it's the other way around. If they continue to nominate only men, and you have a company where there are only men around the table, they will have to be able to say why the man was the only candidate and the best candidate. So actually, we should flip it around and shift this in our head. Whenever there is one woman nominated, even if we all know that women are now 60% of university students, we still keep asking the question to the women and not to the 10 men that were nominated before. So we Flip it in your head. The directive is about nominating the best candidate, but making that selection pro process sound. And we are confident that uh, in the midterm, this will lead to change. And actually, we have uh, only a few years left to make that objective um, be reality. When you look back in your career and everything you've done so far, do you have any regrets? Oh, yes, of course, uh, I could have done things better, but regret is not the right word. I think I made mistakes and I made wrong choices. But for me, there is only regret if you made a mistake and you didn't learn from it. So I always said to my kids as well, when they were, were, they were angry or crying, I said, okay, what happened? What is the, the big thing that happened? And there are only two questions. Is, is there harm done that you can't repair? Is there something terrible? 
And then the other question, did you learn anything about it? And so if the question is, okay, I'm still there, still alive, and this is what I learned, then actually it's not a regret. It's a great learning opportunity. And that happens in life. You you make mistakes. Things can go well. Can, things can go wrong. But, well, it shouldn't make you unhappy unless, uh, well, you can be a little bit unhappy. But then there is another day I'm here and you move on. Well, can we talk about a period uh, in your life when um, you had really, really tough time, really difficult time, and how did you overcome it? Yes, it happened. Of course, I'm nearly 60 years, so that's normal. I think two examples I can give. One example was when I uh, had to leave a company and it was not my choice. So I had to leave it. There were some differences in opinion that can happen. And I was frustrated at first. It was really tough for me because I didn't, and I found it not right. It was for me, it didn't feel right. And I went through a kind of personal crisis It also learned me a lot about myself. I also asked uh, help from a therapist. And what I learned was that from my early childhood, I was trying to do everything perfectly well. And I was sometimes stepping out of my comfort zone. And if you are too much stuck to the job and the responsibility, and this is who you are, actually, it's a very big risk. You should be something and you should be somebody in life because you are a person and not because the title you have. And so uh, going through that crisis and also to that therapy learned me a lot about uh, the importance to be grounded, uh, to, to really take time for yourself and to be really a person and to value yourself. And the second thing was health. And my husband uh, fell ill, uh, quite ill uh, during COVID. And It's better now, but it's at a certain point, we, we really thought he wouldn't make it. And then again, because of that personal health crisis, you question a lot. What am I doing exactly? Why am I spending so much time in my, my job? And it was actually my husband who said, I can see that you're happy. I can see that you have energy in what you do. So please continue, because if you are a happy person, you will be able to take care of me as well. And that was also a good lesson. Uh, if you make choices, speak with your environment, speak your, with your family, because sometimes um, you can think that you have to solve it all, and it's it's not the case. You have to be happy and a good person and a balanced person in the first place. That was such a great advice. What do you think about the topic of ageism? Does it exist? Why does it exist? And um, how do you deal with it? So, of course, agents exist, but... It exists as there are many things that exist. And that's about the justice and injustice I was talking about. Some people are discriminated because of age, because of their looks, because of their education background. So there are many, many areas where you can be treated unequally because you are different. But I would say ageism, for me, it's a strength. It's a strength because Think of it, very often women, when they are younger, you have to choose between being the most beautiful and, or being the, 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 the person who works hardest, you have to combine. So I would say ageism for women, if not now, it will become a strength because the life expectancy for women is longer. 
Of course, ageism is a problem, but you have two things that, are, that changed in society. First of all, the labor market is very, very difficult now. So we need every talent. And people, women or men, who thought 10 years, 15 years ago, that it was no longer possible to have chances when you are like me, nearly 60 years old, are in huge demand now. So I think things are changing. And I would say, yes, it exists, but it exists like many other things. My first question would be, Annie, what do you want? Do you still want to do something? Are you still ready? Are you still eager? Then find the place where they will be really uh, happy to welcome you. So it's in your head. Are you ready? Are you happy? Do you still have something to change? And then I would say, find the environment because there are much more places than before where they would really be more than happy to welcome you and, and where you can play a big, big role. At the end of every podcast, I always ask my guests to give the top three qualities or things or, or approaches to help people to change. What are these top three for you? Yes, I would say uh, choose your, your core competence. For me, it was persistency, uh, but think of what is the core competence that you can bring forward uh, to a company or to your environment. Second is take good care of yourself. I think this is such a precious advice. Whatever the first responsibility is to take care of yourself. And then the third is every day is another day. And uh, I live every day as if it was my first and my last. Take every day as the unique day and make the best of it. Thank you so much um, for this interview. It was great to have you and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Annie. I really love your podcast and I'm going to follow the next one as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please remember to review, rate and subscribe when you have a chance. You can do that on your favorite podcast platform or go to our site, changeispossible.site. Thank you once again and have a great day.